0: merch button. Click on that, it'll take you right to the store, and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. As modern football fans, we see it almost every game. A pass that's tipped and either is caught by a defender, hits the ground, or is caught by the offense. But the rules of tip passes were not always this way. Timothy B. Brown of FootballArchaeology.com joins us to tell us about the history of the rules of the tip pass, coming up in just a moment.
1: This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com.
2: This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.
0: Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes at Pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pig Pen, your portal to positive football history. And it is Tuesday, and we have another special treat of having Timothy P. Brown of footballarchaeology.com joining us to talk about one of his most recent tidbits. And this one's really recent and fresh. Uh, Tim, uh, welcome back to the Pig Pen.
1: Hey, thank you, Darren. Yeah, this is a this is a good one. This is kind of an one of the more bizarre rules or one that you know people had no. Most people I had no idea that it was out there because I, I mean, even you know, I just recently came across it. So,
0: yeah, uh, when I, when I read it, I had no idea. You really enlightened me, and I thought I knew you know a lot about the, especially the rules and things like that. But this one really caught me off guard. And you titled it "When Tip Passes Were Live Balls," adds a little bit of a, you know mystery, but also you know sells a point and uh, just sounds kind of. Odd to our modern year for football so yeah. why don't you explain yeah. this to us a little bit
1: yeah so you know, as i tried to explain in the in the article itself you know with you know, the forward pass had been around for a long time you know it just was illegal you know if you if you threw a forward pass um and what we would think of as forward lateral you know now but um, if you if you did that, uh, you lost possession of the ball. And then, in trying to, um, you know, open the game following the 1905 season, uh, the, the rulemakers made just a host of different changes to the game. But one of them was they legalized the forward pass. And you know the the rule book for 1906 only laid out like six or seven rules r- related to the passing game. You know, they just, so they couldn't really kind of see into the future what this thing might become. And for them, they were thinking of forward laterals, this short little right knee area kinds of, you know, not a, not the down downfield passing, uh, which, you know, a couple of teams actually did in 1906. So they they had just a really simple set of rules, but, you know, they were, and mostly, you know, the game they restricted the forward pass a lot. You know, if if you threw an incomplete pass, it was a turnover and a spot foul. So it it returned to the spot of the pass. Um, If it, if the pass hit an ineligible receiver turnover, if the pass crossed the the goal line on the fly or bouncing turnover. So, you know, things like that. And then you had, you, you couldn't throw the ball until you were five yards to the left or the right of the center, you know, so it was consistent with the checkerboard pattern field and the, you know, the first person to get the the ball couldn't run until they were five yards left or right. So, so anyways, you know, it, it just, there were a lot of things, restrictions that just are inconceivable today. But then they, you know, they kind of went through a season and they decided to add a few rules and one of them that they added in 1907 was that if the ball was in the air and touched an uh an eligible receiver so an eligible offensive person or defense um then the ball and and it, it it then hit the ground that ball was live so basically any kind of batted ball by a defender you know, a tipped ball, a dropped ball, you know, from an offensive player was essentially a fumble. And so, you know, there'd be a pass and somebody would tip, you know, try for it. They wouldn't get it, but they'd touch the ball. So then, you know, the ball's rolling on and, you know, like any kind of, um, uh, like any situation where there's a fumble, it's a mad scramble to get to the thing. And, since the pass was probably a little bit more in the open field because it had to be five yards right or left, you know, all that kind of stuff. There were guys flying in all over the place, you know, trying hmm. to get to that ball. So, um, so it's just one of the it's one of those rules. It just, it seems so bizarre that they, that they did that. Um, and yet, you know, it was, uh, uh, so the 1907 season, you know, there's all these, you know, if you read through, you know, some of the commentary um you'll just you're reading like an old newspaper report of a game and it's saying you know the ball bounced off of smith and there was mad scramble for the ball and you know pittsfield state recovered or you know whatever (laughs) um and so then you know again the, the whole rule changes were supposed to be for player safety and they recognized that there were too many scrambles so uh, they made a change for 1908, where it said only the first offensive player that touches the ball um, can can recover it. Right. Um, so if you think about it, you know the football rule that only the you know the like if an offensive player touches the ball ball or touches forward pass, then it have to have a defensive player touch that pass before an offense can then before a second offensive player um, can grab it. But that originated in with that 1908 rule, uh, trying to eliminate some of the scrambles. Um, so, and then, you know, so it, it remained in, in, in place um, until 1911. And then they then they cut the rule out. But so you had, you know, so you had seven, eight, nine, so you had a four year period where the tip ball was a fumble you know effectively um and the other thing that's just funny about that is you know talking about teams being unable to really conceive how to throw the pass and how you know how do you create a, a pass route if you've never seen anyone throw a forward pass before uh and one of the things that teams did fairly frequently um but then until i think it was maybe 32 um, the offensive lineman could go downfield on a pass. So one, of the, one of the approaches that the teams took was to, you'd send like all your offensive linemen to the left or something. And then whoever the receiver was, you know, maybe an end would get in the middle of those offensive linemen. They kind of form a circle around them. And then they try to pass the ball to, um, you know, to the guy in the middle. While the offensive line blocked, uh, trying to get at him because again, there was no there was no pass interference yet.
0: <laughs> so, and, and, and probably while the, the quarterback's getting mauled by like five guys that aren't getting blocked because often lost the up and line on the field,
1: yeah. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy when you think about how, you know what else that that had to be, you know. Plus, you know, these again, most guys weren't wearing numbers if they had numbers, it was only on the back of their jerseys um but even like carlisle as far as far as i can tell carlisle was the first school to paint their helmets and they did it because they wanted to be able to identify who their players were um you know in you know as they ran downfield uh, you know for passes
0: that, that old glenn um, warner was a well, clever guy
1: <laughs> well he wasn't there yet he, oh he wasn't he, oh, he was okay yeah, he he went back and forth between Cornell. You know, he started at Cornell, went to Carlisle, went back to Cornell, and then he was back at Cornell or Carlisle in 07, but in 06, um, one of the former players, you know, was the was the coach. Um but they uh they had well one one of the other things that teams did was like when they circle the guy, sometimes they lift him up in the air, like in a know the rugby lineouts. you know when they're tossing the ball in uh and you know which was until just a few years before had been still been away one of the ways that football teams brought the ball in from from the sideline you know from out of bounds was the the loud Hmm. um or they call it a fair as well uh anyways they'd lift the guy up in the air to kind of throw him the ball (laughs) but so it's just one of those things that just again made sense at the time. Maybe, you know, I mean, they were just trying to make some, make up some things, you know, uh, but the idea of, a, of a tipped pass being effectively a fumble is just, uh, kind of bizarre.
0: Yeah. You know, maybe, uh, or five years ago if you would have said that with the the guy in the circle and everybody else you know helping them with the you know before the uh tush push and brotherly shove or whatever you want to call it maybe we would have said oh you're out of your mind that wouldn't happen but maybe it's more a little bit more the the normal uh activity we see in football these days and which i hope they get rid of because i i hate it but uh <laughs> go back to the rule i'm okay of, with uh, it
1: i'm okay you don't like the tush push huh?
0: no I, I i like when they used to have the rule you know you can't aid the runner. You know that's, yeah, yeah. Let let him. You know you can block guys in front of you, but you can't pull, push, or otherwise move that yeah, that yeah. runner. Help him go. I I still I'm a traditionalist. I think that should be the maybe it's not so traditionalist. Maybe they were helping the runner long before that rule. Like you're saying, but the, yeah, the football well, I grew I mean up the, with, you couldn't do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean it, it it went away. You know, quite a while ago. Uh, but I mean, it was part of the original game and then they, then they got rid of it, it really as a player, player safety issue. I, I blame and,
0: and it. Because... On, I blame it on Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush against Notre Dame in uh, 2005 or whenever it was. Sure. So that's, that's... Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause they're like the next year that they changed it. Right. Right. Um, Plus they beat but, Notre know, Dame think, on that play. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, well, um, but you know, back in the day, they, um, you know, at the time that they instituted, you know, when they said you couldn't aid the runner, um, part of it was, um, you know, you only had like three officials on the field. And so that call, you know, officials were reluctant to make the call. Right. Um, and so anyways, that's part of it. I'm kind of, I'm getting a little bit confused now, but anyway, say, you know, it was one of those things where the, trying to force the officials to make the calls that that's actually one of the justifications for why they brought it back because people did, you know, nobody wants to make that call, but.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. But it's getting crazy. Somebody's going to get hurt. That's my, my theory. And that's when the rule all of a sudden change and be banned again, when I don't want somebody to get hurt, you know, could be offense, defense, alignment, whatever, but somebody's going to get hurt. Uh, but the, Tim, you know, we love how you bring up some of these, you know, oddities of football and things, uh, unique uh, aspects or something maybe a team did, you know, 100 years ago that we never heard of before. And, and including like this this rule here, you know, that's just... Heart of football and it's a great history and you do things like this each and every day that you write about and explain uh very thoroughly and a lot of times with images that uh, that you find out of you know old yearbooks and newspapers and that and, and how can uh, people share in these tidbits that you put on uh to to see them as they're coming out
1: it, it, real simple just go to footballarchaeology.com and subscribe uh, then you'll get an email uh, alternatively you can follow me on twitter um or on threads or get the substack app. Um, Cause you know, my, my blog newsletter is on substack um, and you can follow me on substack as well. So whatever floats your boat.
0: All right. Well, his name is Timothy P. Brown, footballarchaeology.com is his website. And uh, Tim, we appreciate you coming here this Tuesday. And we hope to talk to you again next Tuesday about some more great football.
1: Very good. Thank you, sir.
0: That's all the football history we have today, folks. Join us back tomorrow for more of your football history.